Welcome to episode 91 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I do all kinds of weird stuff. I'm Sam, and I'm the shapeshifter. And today is... Uh, that's good. Yeah. You yeah, gave that title to me yesterday. Yeah. That was I know, that's why it's so good. <laughs> uh, today is March 28, 2017. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. It's going to be profanity. Definitely. And then we're going to talk about stuff. Uh, and if you don't want to hear that, then go away. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple important points here, you guys. What? For starters, this is episode 91. Yeah, you, you okay. told us that already. So episode 91 is an extra special episode. Oh, yeah. Is it prime? prime? No, but <laughs> it is It is 7 times 13, which is the luckiest number multiplied by the unluckiest <laughs> number. <laughs> So what's so, going to happen? Oh, I don't know. Does Probably, it cancel out? I mean, the unluckier no, number is bigger, though. I think it's a whole lot of good and a whole lot of bad. It's one of those roller coaster days. That's yeah, okay, it could be. Bay. So it's one of those cases where the mean doesn't reflect reality. Correct. At all. Unless yeah. unless luck works just like numbers, where you know if you multiply a positive luck by a negative luck, then the just result is negative. Mm, you know. Whoa. So, but it, I, I mean, it is works. it is a bigger unluck. It's a bigger unluck. Well, it's also yeah. true that for humans, losses loom larger than gains. Right? Psychologically, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's bigger and looms larger. It's bigger and loomier. So yeah, I think uh, this is the biggest loomiest episode of the podcast probably ever. What's the conversion of of loom units? You know, when you're when you're looking at at uh, luck mm. versus unluck, right? Mm-hmm. So six, like, six to like one, six to yeah. one. Depends on how well you can weave. Yeah, the the strands. Yeah, together, loom right? efficiency yeah, yeah. is is key when it comes <laughs> yeah. to your conversion <laughs> right. rate. All right, so we got we got <laughs> a couple news. Thread count. Yeah. We got a couple news updates this week. Uh, for starters, we're starting the, the hashtag vague hype train. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's that Wait, about? is it whole vague hype train? Is Just vague hype. Yeah. We're so, starting the train of hashtag We're starting hype. the trend train. Yeah, so yeah. those of you who listen to the podcast know that we have, we've talked off and on about the project we're currently working on. Um, we've referred to it various times in various places, probably all completely incorrect from what it actually is turning out to be. So it's Currently. Just, yeah. Currently, which is why I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. We came up with the concept of vague hype to just get you vaguely hyped about the next game we're working on without Although I do have a question about this concept of vague hype what? that you concocted. Does it work? Did you Google it first? No, I didn't. Because it does already exist. Does it? I clicked on the hashtag when people started tweeting it at us. But there's only like five people who've used it in like 2014. I think it's for people. I mean, it's not like an enormous well, we're gonna, like no, we're gonna, we're term. Well, we're going to term, Adam. We're going <laughs> to subsume it. That's yeah, a word, gonna, right? We're going to become the vague hype. Yeah, because yeah. what it is, what I saw is, is that it's people who basically say a thing but won't tell anybody about it, and then they right. want people to come in and be like, what do you mean? What's happening? Yeah, right? right. So that's basically what we're doing also. Yeah. yeah. But we're going to just, with sheer volume, try to just take it. But what if it becomes out. kind of a you know a Kleenex scenario where we use it so aggressively that everybody... Then it becomes generic. It becomes generic, and then and now we don't get to use I'd it anymore. I'd be happy with using... Oh, you mean we don't get to use it anymore? Because like, then it would be just Well, generic. we'd lose the trademark, which yeah. we did file for a trademark. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, don't use it or we'll sue you into the ground. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> uh, also, we learned we learned this week that, once again, premium is dead. Yep. This was announced again. This keeps happening. Like somewhere on games industry, I'm not even going to bother talking about the article. But just you guys in the premium, super dead in mobile space. Yeah. Still, again. Still, yep. So, super dead. Still it again. It's like a, it's a zombie, basically. Yep. It just keeps on being resurrected and then... Dying again. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about this a lot in the podcast about, you know, you, you read your interest, industry news to keep a pulse on stuff, but don't, don't, trust, don't I mean, read don't it, but don't it. read it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I believe it, I guess. So, uh, uh, again, context is king. And most people who proclaim these things do not give all the bits of context that would really point out why it is that they're proclaiming such a thing. Yeah. So, we're just going to leave it at that and move on. But I want to talk about vague hype against that. I wasn't done. So, yeah. oh, sorry. We sent out a newsletter over the weekend. Um, how many people to go out to? Uh, it went 000? out to a hundred and yeah, 130,000. 130, um, which is always a weird thing to just hit a button on Friday and then be like, we're going to be emailing a billion people this weekend. Well, only 130,000. Okay, whatever. You get my point. So we did that. So and, <laughs> <laughs> and we included some concept art uh, for the next game that, that Tifa had whipped up. And the best part about it was the next day, or maybe it was just on Friday afternoon, um, after we had started sending it, uh, Tifa looked over my screen and she saw 
some of her concept art in there. She's like, when did you get that? And I was like, earlier when I told you I was going to take a picture of your stuff. She's like, I didn't know you were taking it for a newsletter. And I was like, yeah, this is going out to 150,000 people. She's like, oh my God, no. She's like, you should have let me choose the right. And I was like, no, you got stuff to do. This is me marketing secretly. Guerrilla marketing, I think, is what they call it. So the lesson there is, you know, you never know when somebody's just going to walk past your desk, take a snapshot of something, and then email it to 150,000 people. Welcome to (laughs) Butterscoop. Yeah. Um, Do we want to talk about our... Our magical subject line robot, or should we should we save that until we have more? Well, let's talk about this problem. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. the problem generally in email marketing, which by the way is still the most effective means of marketing. So if you're a game there dev, there are many problems. Yeah, well, there are many problems. But if you're a game dev and you're spending more time on Twitter than you are on your email marketing campaigns, then you're doing it very wrong. I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, I think it's also the case if you're spending any time on Twitter instead of developing, as we've talked about. Yes, yeah. you're also don't, doing it don't wrong. be on there. But um, generally. Uh, Twitter can't be trusted for for marketing purposes very well. Um, there are ways to use it, but we're not going to worry about those currently. We're just going to talk about how uh, with email marketing, you know, you can reach a, a big audience who tends to care and people open stuff that's in their inbox. But the biggest problem that we have from an email marketing standpoint is just getting people to open the email because we know there's we got cool pictures, we write funny mm-hmm. words, we say good things, we got nice nice colors, nice colors. We know that yeah. once someone gets in. That they're going to be like, oh, this is nice. Ooh. This is pleasant. Um, and our open rates reflect that. I, think I feel like my eyeballs are getting massaged by this email. email. Something like that. Um, and the, so the issue basically becomes how to craft a subject line that people actually open. And there's a lot of talks about A-B testing in uh, email marketing where basically you pick some subset of your of your user base, you pick two subject lines and then you pit them against each other, uh, send out, you know, a thousand emails each, see which one gets a better open rate and then pick the better one. But um, we found that it seems basically random, which subject line's good. We can't tell. We have no ability to tell. Yeah, our predictive predictive power has been really bad so far. So, so we're going to make, we're going to make a thing that lets us get better at writing subject lines by not getting better at writing. <laughs> well, well, it's, the, it's the spaghetti strategy. Just yeah, throw some spaghetti at the wall. No, this is our this is our GDC talk strategy again. Yeah, yeah. So again, for for those uh, who haven't been around, we got two talks uh, accepted to GDC this year. But the way we did it was instead of just submitting one really good one like we have in pre- years past, we submitted eleven. Really so ones, though. they were all really good. But uh, with with this uh, subject line thing, that's essentially what we're going to do. Where Adam's going to build a little. A uh, little easy machine learning, mm-hmm. easy machine learning um, algorithm that will will feed it a bunch of subject lines that we make up, and then we'll just let it let let it let them fight each other in sort what of I, an evolutionary I, battle to yes, the death. Yeah, and then the robot just picks the best ones. Yeah. What I like about this approach is we no longer have to craft the perfect subject line. You know, we can craft because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't know what's a good now one. Now the really. perfect subject line crafts us. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. So we get to come up with like five different ones. And then we can also throw in a wild card. Right. Which is what we always do. Yeah. Yeah. We always do this on our, on our uh, like eye contests. And yes. Stuff. Yeah. So we can throw one in where we're just like, all right, I don't know if this is going to work, but we're going to really just go for broke on this one. Mm-hmm. Really push the envelope and just see what but happens. But I want to I also back up and explain why this is such a huge problem. Mm. And because A-B testing is still the solution, right? We're just doing it in a very particular way. But the reason it's a problem and such a hard problem is because when you're doing this kind of stuff, when you're launching a game or sending out a newsletter or sending out a tweet or whatever, you don't actually get to do an experiment. Right. Because you get to do it once, right? And then by the, by the time, if, if you're trying to do it in an experimental way, then if you're doing really good A-B testing where you're sending out to different people at the exact same time, you know, completely randomly mm-hmm. chosen and that kind of thing, then you really can actually kind of separate the world in, in some capacity if you do a really good job of, of choosing who's who, right? Uh, but the way that that's typically done is you then just have a static number. You just send it out, mm-hmm. then wait for a while, get the results back, and then do a little statistics to try to figure out if one is better than the other, if you're lucky enough that you have enough statistical power to be able to even tell the difference, which actually most of the time you don't, right? Right. And, and then in all the other cases, you don't even get to do that at all. If you don't have really good AB setup, because if you do, you know, one tweet today with one line and one tweet tomorrow with a different one, and then ask which one's better, you're already playing a losing game because there are a million other reasons that those could have different results. So what we're trying to solve is, is basically that 
where we can just say, we don't get to do the experiment. We just have to let, we just have to let the thing to adapt to whatever is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it could actually be the case that for some reason at 3 PM, people would prefer a different subject line. Like 3 PM on Friday versus 3 PM on Monday. And so even if you choose a good, really good subject line from some AB testing and then send it to the the rest of your hundred thousand people, by the time they all get it, maybe that's actually not the right one for them. You anymore. know what this reminds yeah. me of? Hmm. Jeffrey Lynn from Riot Games gave a talk at GDC where he was talking about experiments that they ran. Because in League of Legends, they have mm-hmm. millions of matches per day, yeah. right. right? So they have so much statistical data. And their big problem was how do we reduce player toxicity? Mm-hmm. And so they started doing all these really weird experiments to try to gauge what would happen. And so they would just do these, these constant A-B tests mm-hmm. where... For example, they ha- they would have a, a suite of of ten messages that would randomly be displayed to players on a loading. It's a little like a little tip or a little lore piece, right? Yeah, like a sentence. Yeah, and so sometimes they would they would have it say something like, "Did you know that you know being positive towards your teammates increases your chance of winning by this percent?" Right, mm-hmm. and then they would then they would measure and see like how many people got reported for bad behavior in games that had that message versus yep. games that had different messages. Um, but then they found out some really interesting stuff, which is that posting the same message, but just changing the color of the message yeah. mm-hmm. actually had a dramatic statistically significant impact on how many people responded. Yeah, so to they it. used white, red, or blue text. Yeah. Red is normally associated with in, in Western culture in particular with negativity and, and anger and stuff. And blue tends to be more on the chilled out side of things. And but also, is, also red is a color of error messages and stuff, right? That yeah, we always use. Right. And the idea is that it's, it's a concept called priming, mm-hmm. which uh, is a really old psychological concept, which shows that my favorite study um, with, with priming has to do with you bring a bunch of college students into a, into a room and you have them read a list of, of words. So some of them just read a random list of words. The other, the other ones read a what appears to be a random list of words, but that all have sort of associations with old age or being like slow. And then they're just asked to walk down the hall to turn in their sheet of paper. And just time them. And they time how, <laughs> how long it takes them to walk. And people who read, who essentially have been primed by these sort of old words, your the brain has picked up on this idea that like, I need to be old right now. And so it right. slows down. So there's a there's statistically significant um, a slower pace of moving, basically, after reading these priming words. And you can... You see this with uh, with selling people things, and also there's there's tons of uses for priming. And this idea of pairing pairing a color with a particular phrase um, is essentially a way of priming players before they go into a match to see if you can sway their behavior either way. Yep. It's not going to work for someone who's like literally having a terrible day. Like they're not going to read and be like, "Oh yeah, I guess it'll be nice now." Like it's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's not conscious. It's, it's an nudge. aggregate behavior yeah, in, in that like every, on average people behave you know two percent better. Yeah, mm-hmm. in that. Context, right? So if you pick any one person, yeah, it probably didn't do anything. If somebody right? is but 100% a dick, then that 2% better is not gonna, It's not going to push them over the right. edge <laughs> that day. Yeah. But if someone's positive. on the edge of, of dickness, yeah, right, yeah you might push them, them, push them keep, out of there. Keep yeah. it bay. Yeah. Yeah, this actually, there's, a, there's a book called Predictably Irrational, mm-hmm. which is a, it's about, it, it talks a lot about this phenomenon where basically um, most academic sciences like, like economics. I don't know if you can call it a science, but you know, uh, academic disciplines like economics assume that people behave as rational decision makers and that people respond in a logical way when presented with certain types of information, which is also insane. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it's just absolutely not the case. And so they talk about things like, like priming where, uh, if, if they have a a item that they're going to auction, uh, it could be any random item. Right. And then they'll just say, they'll ask each student, to write down their birthday, like the day of the month that their mm. birthday is. And then they will have them submit blind uh, bids for I- auction items. And they're just the day of their birthday, because they wrote down a number first, pr- provides them with an anchor point, and they will tend to offer a price that is fairly close to their birthday, <laughs> right? <laughs> just like, so if you got a birthday later in the month, and you you're going to just price, pay more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's sneaky. Just, yeah, so there, there's all kinds of stuff where, you know, the human brain is really complicated. We don't know what, how the hell it works, yep. right? And we don't so, even know how emails work. That's why we're just going to say, we don't know. Yeah, so the yeah. best we can do, <laughs> we're like, okay, we need to send an email to people. And we have stuff in there that we know that is going to be interesting to mm-hmm. them. And that, you know, we're cracking jokes. We're being weird and goofy. And we're pretty confident 
that Enjoy this email it. is going to, they're going to enjoy it and it's going to brighten their day, but we got to get them to open it first mm-hmm. and, and we don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So robots, yep, robots will do it for yep. us. And, and I mean, our, our goal kind of overall with all this stuff is, is just to recognize that we don't actually know and that in most cases there's no way to know. And so mm-hmm. the question is, how do we, how do we still do stuff? without having to argue forever about what the right move is, given that we can't possibly know. And the answer is usually just try something or in this kind of a case, try a bunch, try a bunch of things in an adaptive way so that it actually, we're always doing the best thing. Right. Or the best thing of the things. Of the things. Yeah, (laughs) of of course. Not, not the actually best. The first, the first title we used was, uh, you won't believe how clickbaity this subject line is, which we all thought was hilarious. Nobody has a good open rate. People did not. Like, fuck this clickbait. (laughs) Self-referential clickbait, I guess is not. Too, too high, high also, brow, speaking you know? of robots doing things for us, uh, while we were talking earlier, I had to turn off uh, Dropbox notifications on the podcast computer because it kept saying the robot of the web has changed a file in your <laughs> Dropbox folder. So let's talk about oh, that. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's the robot? Who's the, the robot, robot of the, the web, web? And why does it keep changing things in Dropbox, Adam? <laughs> we, uh... A while ago, we talked about this a bit, which was, uh, I made a thing called the ink tube at the time, which was a little program that one program for Sam, one program for Seth. So for on Sam's side, he could, he could run it anytime he wanted to convert all of his Inkscape files into a bunch of images. Inkscape is what we use to make our artwork yeah. for the games. And cause the, the process at that time was basically Sam would have to manually select a thing, export. manually export it, name it, put it in the right spot. And then. And then I would have to delete the bounding box that yeah. Sam for, that Sam forgot to <laughs> Seth turn would have off. to fix the manual <laughs> errors and then yep. and then and then pull it yep. into the game and then rename it and then reorganize things uh, and then a lot of overhead. Change. There's a lot of overhead and, and a lot of room for error on, on both sides, but also just it's a lot of work. So so I saw them doing this and I was like, guys, just let me make a robot. There's got to be a better well, way. Importantly, you, you saw us doing this for all one thousand whatever five hundred yeah. unique sprites in Crashlands. Yep. Well, this is an important That's point lot. because so, so there was there's about there essentially was like a minute minute and a half of export overhead uh, per object for me mm-hmm. that I made, which means that with the bajillion items in Crashlands, you just multiply that by basically one point five. Anything that I had to export, whether it was a particle that took me a minute to draw or like a huge boss that took me two hours to put together, um, every single one of those took about a minute and a half to make sure I was in the right spot, make sure the bounding box was gone, all this stuff. But and it's then, not just that because it's also the the attentional deficit. Exactly. So this breaks up. So I'd be working on something and I'd be like, all right, I need to export it. Go do that. There's a bunch of different things you got to do. Um, you can't just do art. You can't just do art. So there's there's that. And then the, the secondary problem is that if Seth was like, oh, um, you know, it'd be cool if you change the color of this thing. Or, hey, could you make this 15% bigger? Mm-hmm. It's not just the case that I can just go do that and then it's in the game, right? I have to go do it and then do the burdensome piece of exporting again. So, it's kind of like there, it's kind of like when there's a 30 cent transaction fee. Yes. And it's like, well, if you're gonna buy a thing that's a dollar, you're like shit. Yep. You know, yep. right. Pay mainly transaction fees. Yes. Yeah. So even a small thing has a big cost attached right. to it. And so it made it actually more, it made us more, uh, I guess, constrained or more, um, less flexible Just less when adaptive. it came to, yeah. Yeah. When it came to saying, okay, can we change this? Because whether it was color, whether it was, oh, hey, we need, you know, 20 different variations of this enemy. Like, no way. Just, I'm not going to go spend half an hour exporting this. <laughs> right. Just, just to have dumb. to change it and re-export it exactly. again later. And so, uh, so this is where Adam's, Adam's ink tube came in, which was the idea was to have it handle the export process for us, as opposed to having us have to handle it ourselves, hopefully reduce all the human error out of it and that sort of thing. So the first iteration, when did that get finished? Like November, Something December? Like that, yeah. Um, first iteration was finished and, and it required uh, Python to run. So yep. you had to have Python installed in your computer. You had to... Uh, set up a config file for it. And then whenever, as an artist, whenever you saved your project, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Then you'd have to go over to the Python thing, enter a few different values to tell it to run. Mm-hmm. And then it would export these things for you. Sometimes not correctly, just like it would miss some stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was, was sort of, it so was, was better than a, exporting. It was it was more like a batch exporter. Yes. You, know? yeah. you, still, you still had to manually go and do the export and then usually verify things and stuff right. like that. Right. So that was, that was the V1.0. And then we had a chat. Well, actually we switched then to game, game maker two came out. Oh yeah. And, okay. This is what, what and so, off. and because on both sides, I'm both exporting. Cause now, now the assets need to have, need to be named differently. They're organized differently. Uh, on the game maker side, it's a completely different file structure. Just everything is different. And so, so now both ends of the, of the problem were just new problems. 
And so I needed to go change the ink tube to deal with that. But at the same time, I was like, what, how much can I just automate this? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause cause in, in the whole point of this is that if you're making games or, or doing really anything, when it comes to process improvement, one of our core beliefs is that there's really no better thing you can do than build tools to automate stuff. And which is why we believe so strongly in tools that two of our seven people in the studio are full-time tool mm-hmm. developers. Right. And, uh, and it's because our goal is to make it so that for everybody else, they only have to do the thing that absolutely is required to be done by a human being. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to Sam and Tifa doing the art, they should just be able to make art. That's the, the end. Goal, the right. end. When it comes to Seth and Sure pulling in game assets, they should just have access to the game assets. They should just be in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then wherever somebody wants to have a check or wants to control when a thing happens, then we need that. But otherwise, everything should be automated. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So then we, so then I made Inkbot. Now it's called Inkbot because it's much more of a robot. Because it's There's a robot. A it's uh, not a pump that you have to manually right. pump it like a bike pump. Right. Now it's a robot. <laughs> now it's a robot. So it, it lives on a server inside of Dropbox. And, I don't even know how that works. And then the art, <laughs> and then the art assets. So now when Sam and Tifa are, are working on their art, those those art files are just saved in in Dropbox in a folder that the robot. So the the raw to. art files, like the raw the, like files. the SVG from mm-hmm. Inkscape, right? Not the exported, but not the exported, like just the, literal, the SVG. So yeah. so Sam just has his his file open and he's editing stuff and and so on. Every time he saves it, the robot sees that that happened. It's like, oh wait, what, what yeah. happened? <laughs> so so it's just watching for saves all the time, right? So the moment the thing gets saved, then Takes a copy of the of the file, f- identifies all of the sprites, identifies all the sub images, exports everything, names it all properly. Take does all this uh, background correction and, and edge correction to get rid of aliasing mm-hmm. problems that we've that we've seen in Game Maker, uh, and then package those those up into a Game Maker friendly format, and then has them all ready to go. And then all Seth has to do is at any moment he's like, okay, I want these assets now. Um, he just runs a, a script on his machine and just double just, click it. You just double click it and it just pulls everything and it dumps it. Yeah, it's like, hey, do you want to bring in uh, bring in all the images for this project? And I'm like, yes. Yep. And then they're in done. There. And then they're just, <laughs> now they're just in Game Maker, right? Yeah. yeah. And so then Seth can use them however the hell he wants. Um, you this reminds me of, so when, uh, when the dads were here landscaping, um, Diane and I bought some bushes after they left to go put in the yard where dad told us, you know, mark the spots, get these things, put them here. Um, and we couldn't find our spade. So we had, we had no like big shovel to dig. With. Right. But I had to trowel. So I oh, went God. out there and I was like, I'm going to do this. And so <laughs> furiously digging at the earth with this thing. And after about five minutes, like my arm hurt. I made a tiny dent in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the shovel had like bent a little bit around my hand. Like it was just not I going actually well. broke my trowel in half when I was trying to do something similar yeah. last year. Okay. It's not a great so, tool for that. But then I was like, I was like, I know we have a spade. I, I don't know where it went. We don't have that much stuff in the house, but somehow it disappeared. So I went looking around and after 10 minutes of searching, found it sort of like uh, it had fallen behind some stuff in one of the closets. So I'm, I pull it out and Diane's like, since oh, yes. so we go outside <laughs> and just quickly just power out all yeah. the holes. It's like literally like 20 minutes, get seven holes made. Hey, tools. Exactly. <laughs> they matter. Right. And, you know, I, then I got to focus on the important thing, which is like, is this plant going in the right spot? Am I putting yeah. the dirt on it correctly? Mm-hmm. I'm not enraged. My tool's not broken. Yeah. Um, tools make a hell of a lot of a difference yeah. in this version, this 2.0. I mean, I've already seen it. Like I got so excited the first time that it worked. Uh, so we, we tested it. Yeah. We tested it yesterday. We just took well, we tested it a couple of days ago or a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was hilarious. Cause I, because of one of the images I made, it, it showed that like I basically broke the shit out of one of Adam's algorithms because of the image I put in there. Yeah, it's one of, one of the assumptions stopped <laughs> being true. Which is, it is the funny thing. Like the, the moment you build some software and then go put it in, into production, you're like, oh, everything like, breaks. This is, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, but you got time. your, because I, mean, I got my all my example files that Sam provided of like all the kinds of art we that we're exporting and stuff. And, but, but of course, literally of the first thing he made afterwards was something that was nothing like any of the yeah, things well, yeah, we made Yeah, well, yeah, as programmers, we live for constraints. Yeah. Right? We're like, yes, here yeah. are the parameters mm-hmm. of the problem, but the artists live to break them. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I, remember, I even remember... <laughs> Like when, when uh, Tiva first got here and we were talking through the technical side of putting together tiles, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and how to, and how to like make ground tiles and, and put doodads on them and stuff like that. And, uh, and so we talked about the technical constraints of the current system. And then she made three tiles and each one used a completely different system, which would like would have been fine. Right. Uh, but the game didn't have any systems to actually deal with the new configurations. Right. And I was like, how did you even think of... <laughs> 
<laughs> doing this in three completely different ways. And so then I had to go back and rework my stuff right. and then get them all integrated. And now we have systems for that. But at the time, you know, all assumptions break down yeah. when yeah, reality hits. Adapt. Well, this, this is the, the joke. Whenever Adam deploys a tool, then I just break it immediately. <laughs> yeah. and, and, but I mean, it's good though, because it is literally immediately. We, we'd have to wait for five weeks and, yeah. then, and oh, then yeah. discover something because Sam's right just there. like, I'm going to throw every curveball I've got. Well, it just turns out to be whatever ball I throw at it. It's is just ball. a curveball. But also, you need you need to have, I mean, to, to be a tools developer, you need to have this kind of fascination with problem solving and not be emotionally attached to stuff. Because yeah, like, there shouldn't be frustrating. Yeah, it would be like if you if you made a spade for Sam and you're like, yeah, I made this spade so you can dig your bushes. And Sam just like touched the ground with it and it just fell apart. And you're like, well, <laughs> shit, I guess I didn't account for you digging into concrete I with it. I guess I need to make a tough spade. It has to also be a jackhammer. Yeah. yeah. So, and this actually reminds me, I was, I was talking with a, a businessman mm. uh, a few weeks back um, in a much, much larger company. And, and uh, we were, we were chatting about this concept of tools development and stuff. And, and I was like, you know, what do you, like, what's your policy on this? Cause they're maybe 15 times larger than us. Mm. And I said, you know, what's, what, like, how do you deal with process improvement? How do you deal with tools? And they said, well, you know, we don't think we're really at a, at a scale yet where that kind of thing would be useful, you know? I just kind of <laughs> squinted. <laughs> How could that possibly be true? Yeah. Uh, so just think about that. Oh, yeah. It's important. Tools are incredibly important. Yeah, right? it's, so it's taking the time to go fast, right? Yeah. Well, we busted out all the new files for the new game. Hashtag big hype. And uh, super vaguely hyped right now. Got it all. Got all the docs ready to go to be put into the ink bot to test this yesterday. And then Adam came over and we were looking at each other and I was like, did I do it? He's like, yeah. And so I copy pasted it in and then we just sat there for a second and then the file started popping up and it was mm -hmm. working. We're like, oh, <laughs> man, it's so good. <laughs> I, I think it was flawless. Yeah, it worked. Flawless. As far as we can tell, we, still have to, we haven't tried importing a new Game Maker yet. So oh, that's yeah. The, that's the yeah. other half. Yeah, the, the Game Maker All project. I say is, is it worked on my machine, which is <laughs> the classic programmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get on to some, uh, some questions. Okay. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. They are asked by members of the Bscotch ID community, and some of them are asked anonymously, but we don't answer those. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know. Pro tip. Pro tip. That. We should probably remove uh, that. We, we, actually, we actually do, but, you know, it's whatever. All right, let's get started. First question comes from Miguel.Vanilla88. Ooh. Delicious. Miguel Vanilla. <laughs> I think it's a new Ben and Jerry's flavor. Uh, all right. The question is, last podcast, you guys mentioned gains, brains, and games. <laughs> what about drains? Do you guys ever veg out and spend a few minutes just relaxing, yeah. watching shows and whatnot? If so, how would you qualify this as beneficial or is it just a time drain? Interesting. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Just a time drain. Yeah. Adam's certainly. Of the I'm, I am 100 million percent in the absolute 100% waste of time camp. Well, I think, on, I think the question is what's it, what could it do for you? Yeah. If you're, if you're doing, if you're using it to sort of parasocialize, then it's great. So if you're like, Oh, let's go watch game of Thrones together. Let's as go a, see Let's go see a, a movie. group or let's go yeah. see a movie. Mm -hmm. You used to watch game of Thrones with some friends back in college. It was super fun. You know, everyone gathers up, makes a popcorn. When it's, and when it's time constrained for some reason. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, super good. And, but then, but then I would, but I would actually argue that no, that is not the good thing. The good thing is the socializing it is. and the group part. If you just removed the movie part and you just actually talk to each other, it would actually be better. I mean, that's, that's true, but it's nice to have, you know, it's nice to have some, a joint activity around. It's a campfire, you know, mm -hmm. campfire. Activities. Except when you can't talk during, oh my God, you're right. The television is the modern version of the campfire. Campfire. Gather the around the air. Yeah. yeah. But if, but, Get around but the only campfire. if you, if when you went to a campfire, it tried to sell you things. Yeah. Unless you're on <laughs> HBO because they're not commercials. But then you, had to yeah. buy, and then you have to pay for the fire every month. Yeah. You well, just I mean, keep, you well, you just keep throwing money into the fire. You just keep throwing money into the fire. So it doesn't I, throw ads I, in your face. It starts I, to sc scream and add at you and you just throw a dollar bill. Yeah. I've been getting, I think, closer to the non-drain camp. I think there's a there's an interesting sort of cultural, there's an underlying bit, I think, of of at least American culture, which is about, you know, if if you have spare time, that you should spend some chunk of that time, quote unquote, vegging out. It's me time. It's me time. That means I'm going to do nothing. And it's interesting because I think, you know, on some level, all of us seek oblivion at some point for a while, like getting drunk, for example. Did you like, yeah, I want to detach. Or staring into a Vanta Black image. Yes. <laughs> uh, that would be yes. a great way to veg out. What's in there? It's so black. Uh, sometimes you know, like if you've had a really hard day, you just like don't want to think anymore, right? And I think that's that's what it is. It's like not wanting to think anymore. Um, 
But most people don't think anyway. <laughs> that's why I think it's, that is true. They want to keep think. not thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, you got, you got a shitty job. You're like, I don't want to think about this during the day. Come like, what back. if I accidentally think? I better, <laughs> I better <laughs> stay prevent busy. that from happening. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, drains are interesting because I, I think if you're, if you're doing it to, to seek oblivion, then I think uh, there are better things to do with your time. We were talking yesterday about, about the joy of problem solving and how the reality is if you think about, I mean, even just think about your past week. Like what were some of the highest highs you had in the past week? Um, they're generally probably going to fall in two camps. One is either socializing with people in a constructive way or Ac- accomplishing some yeah. interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Well, this comes back to the question of miswanting. Yes. So, and there was a, there was a study done about people. So the, the concept of miswanting is when you believe that you want a thing, but then when you get it, it actually turns out to sort of have the opposite effect mm-hmm. than you thought it would. So for example, in advance thinking, I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream tonight. And then you do it, and afterwards you're- I want to veg out. So I'm yeah, I'm going to veg out. I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream watching Netflix. Because I feel bad right now. And, mm-hmm. and afterwards, you feel, feel worse. worse. <laughs> right? Guaranteed. Not only have you not done anything, but now you're going to shit for six hours. So, <laughs> uh, so that didn't worst. pan out. Yep. Um, and similarly, you know, something like going to the gym- you know, it, it takes a lot of effort and you don't want to do it beforehand. And then after you do it, you're like, I'm really glad I did that, you know? And so people are really, really good at miswanting. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think this comes down to like in our, in our society at large, we are we're very allergic to, to the concept of suffering. I think, um, and just like going to the gym, right. People are like, I don't want to go. Cause it's like hard. <laughs> it's like, who cares? So I mean, hard. it's like a, this is kind of a fact of what, it's, what not even, it's not even allergic to suffering. It, it's thinking of, difficulty as suffering. Right. Or just, or just when really it's living. Well, I think it's, it's also, it's, it's misplacing the value where the value on, on sort of what you try to do with your life is constructed such that there is no suffering. Right. Um, you want everything to be easy. Yeah. And I think, um, I, and so, so again, speaking from this, like I've been, I've been getting closer to the camp of saying don't drain basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been a long road and it's been interesting because, so it's even the case that now on the weekends, and I got like a bunch of lists of cool things that I want to do. Um, so like I've been baking recently. I got some juggling balls. I'm going to start learning how to do. Um, and then I have my writing that I've been doing. I have my art. I've been practicing all this stuff. Did you also get a unicycle so you can ride yeah. around while, while ball juggling? Not yet, but maybe that'll happen next. But I used to have one. So I, just, I can teach you some things. So, but I, so, you know, I had this list of like all these cool things I want to do. And still though, when I approach the weekend, I'm like, okay, well, this is my quote unquote free time. So I should wasted do nothing mm-hmm. right whether that whether that nothing is it usually has that sort of oblivion edge to it so rather than because I, I wouldn't quantify stuff like going and actively say reading a fun book or something like that or anything that you really decide to do i don't necessarily i, I have a hard time classifying as like a pure drain if you're like oh i like i love baking for example i'm gonna go watch a baking show that's different than if you're like i'm just gonna zone out in front of the television for like four hours which a lot of people do no i mean yeah if, if you watch a baking show and study it carefully to learn about baking right well, I think that's the thing is if you're watching it with a notepad. Sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think it's, <laughs> thing is it's, uh, it's about being deliberate again. That's really what all this comes down to. Yeah, having your brain on and thinking about yeah. stuff. So, you know, when you, when you approach your weekend, um, if it's the case, you're like, oh, this new, the new Dark Souls game came out. Like, I'm going to go crush it and see if I can you know, beat the first, I don't know, zone or whatever. However the fuck Dark Souls Beat the work. first six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> then, then that's, I mean, that's a great, that's a cool thing to do. You're, you got a goal, got something to look forward to. Um, you know, if, if it's the case though, that you kind of wind into the weekend, you have all your list of cool stuff that you'd ever like to do in your life, but then you sort of like accidentally get trapped in the morass of YouTube or Reddit, you know, it's all this shit. Just, I mean, it's mainly internet stuff. I guess that's the interesting thing about it is I, I have a hard internet time and TV, basically. internet and TV. Like I have a hard time pointing out things that are just in the, in the world that are just real things in the world. Like, yeah, like the, I have this buddy, he's just addicted to pulling weeds. Yeah. He just won't stop cleaning up his garden. Yeah. You, you know? know, like I it just wish he'd stop vegging out and start being productive. <laughs> He's vegging out for real. Yeah. <laughs> Super hard. Um, and then he's taking veggies out, out, of, out of the, the ground. ground. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because like, you know, we have we have more stuff pulling us away from, I think, what actually makes us happy nowadays than probably we ever have before as a, as a culture. And um, it's hard. Well, I, it's I really think hard. it's, I think there's really, uh, our, our minds are very attuned to that kind of dopamine drip, that short-term mm-hmm. satisfaction of, of novelty, kind of like the very brief chuckle moment yeah, right? right and so like as you're as you're cruising through like imger whatever mm-hmm. reddit you know facebook posts whatever you know 90 percent of it you're just like 
then every now and then you see a thing and you're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and then that's that moment where you get just like a tiny little bit of sort of satisfaction mm-hmm. out of it. Um, and then, then you move on, but it's not meaningful really. And chances are, you're not really going to even remember that thing even an hour from then, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's accessible enough that you kind of just get that, that little persistent dopamine drip, right? Yeah. And so when you, let's say you're like reading a book or whatever, you know, the information, you have to get it out of the book and you go through it and some, like somebody's making a point, whatever, maybe reading an interesting story. Sometimes if even a really good book, it may take 30 pages before the story really like hits a good stride, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so you gotta, you gotta earn that dopamine, yeah. right? You can't, it's, it doesn't just get like thrown into your brain in little bits. Um, and of course it's more satisfying in the long term and, and whatever, and, and doing things that are, are bigger and are, are bigger accomplishments and more challenging. You just go longer periods without yeah. getting that satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think I'd like to challenge our, our podcast listeners, if I may. Ooh, our first to pod challenge. Pod challenge. Um, to, if there's, if you have a habit with, with either TV watching, uh, being on Twitter, Reddit, or something like Heimger. We're just mm-hmm. watching YouTube videos just for the next week, just seven days. Just don't do that thing, whatever it is. But you need a backup plan. You yeah. got to know what you're going to do with that time. I don't know if you do, because the thing is, once you're not constantly entertaining yourself, you're going to find some stuff to do pretty quick. Whether True. it's doodling, reading whatever. stuff. Actually, I want to take this challenge do. further. Okay. Because, because I, I also have a belief. Also stop sleeping. I'll do this challenge. I'll do it. But I, but I also have a belief re- relevant to this that I think is important, which okay. is that, cause I have at various points cut out bits and pieces of things and be like, you know, no more Reddit, no more whatever. Right. And, and those always felt a little bit better, but it was always easy to slip back into it. Mm, and okay. the reason was, is because I only cut out like a thing, right? I didn't just cut out. Cause they're all, all they're all connected. They're all connected. They all do the uh, same thing. So the moment you're like, well, I'm going to cut out Reddit, but keep Twitter right now. You're just going to fucking spend more time on uh, Twitter. Okay. And sure, okay. even if you don't, every time you're on Twitter, you're like, I'm getting the same drip feed I get on Reddit yep. and the back of your mind is Reddit. You know? So what I found is that by, by doing the following, um, my life has improved enormously. So it's actually a set of things. This isn't necessarily the okay. challenge you should take, but here's, here's an example of the, right, write this down. Case. This is the full metal Adam challenge. This is the extreme case. So, so your phone is the leading culprit, right? I mean, laptops are. Oh yeah. So throw that in the garbage. So, well, no. So turn off literally every notification. There's a setting on your phone. I'm going to do it right now. You can turn off. And this is included. I'm fucking including text messaging. I'm including people being able to call you, right? Without your permission. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't even take phone calls. If you see you have a missed call, then call somebody back if you feel like it, right? (laughs) Just turn off all of this. This only works if. If one person in the relationship has their phone calls turned off, because then you can never call each other, though. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, but, but here's the thing. There's never a case where somebody, I mean, it's like, if you are a person who works in emergency services, yes, right, then then yeah, you got to take phone calls. Leave that but if you're a person worried about a family member getting in an emergency, you're not an emergency professional. You can't help them. If you find sure. out later, like, now you just delayed your sadness, right? Like, so, so it's fine. There, there wasn't, anything you, could, there wasn't anything you could do about that. Right. And so what you're doing, like you, all you're doing is in the back of your mind, like treating your anxiety by just letting people steal your focus all the time. So, so you need to remove all of the sources of, of unintentional focus stealing. So what I've done is I've turned off all of my notifications. I've removed uh, every standalone application that can do it like Twitter and Facebook and whatever. So none of those and, and YouTube, so none of those are available on my phone. I instead have podcasts in my Kindle app mm. so that anytime that I would normally be like, oh, I'm in the bathroom now. Let me like open up Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can just continue reading a book, right? Anytime mm. I'm in the car or walking somewhere or doing some work outside, then I can turn on a podcast and learn some things, right? And, uh, and I made this complete full switch about four weeks ago. And oh my god, my life like yeah, is fucking enormous. <laughs> What's the biggest change? I think the biggest change is actually well, it's just like I don't I don't think about it anymore. Every once in a while, like every few hours, I'm like, oh yeah, I should see if I have any text messages mm-hmm. right from the past X number of hours, right? And I just open it up and see, and there aren't really any there. Or if there are, then I'm like, cool. Oh yeah, this wasn't important because now when, <laughs> once you once you've removed that immediacy of this stuff, you just realize how none of this shit actually matters. And the other thing I've been doing is really aggressively getting rid of uh, all of my email. Subscriptions, subscriptions. So the moment something enters my inbox, if it isn't a thing directed to me, a thing that I should respond to, I unsubscribe from it. But you should not do that for the the butterscotch newsletter. (laughs) Well, yeah. But no, this is a thing you get to read that improves your life, right? If I get those kinds of things, like, because I I subscribe to a few newsletters, actually. I get Tim Ferriss's. I get get one called Tedium, um, which Mm. is somebody, this guy takes a, 
thing he thinks sounds boring and then just digs so digs deep enough until he finds something interesting. Cool. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of, but yeah. So, so that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, keep that. Right. Uh-huh. But keep it in a very controlled way. You know, like don't, if, if it arrives in your inbox, don't just let it sit there, either read it or snooze it and have it brought back later mm-hmm. on when you actually do have time to read it. Right. Um, basically control all of those components so that if you enter your inbox, whether it's when you, when you open up your phone, you don't get to see if you have any missed messages. You don't get to see any of that shit. You just have a phone now, right? It's mm-hmm. a thing you, and then it's a tool that you get to use. You get to decide what to do with it. And so by moving everything into decisions that I get to make about stuff, instead of things asking me to make a decision, right? Cause that's, that's the difference. Mm, right. uh, every time you get alerted by something, that's somebody asking you to decide what to do about this right now. And I just got rid of all of that. So I guess in thinking of the phone as a tool, it's a tool you know, and coming back to the, the spade analogy, the way you, the way your phone currently works, it'd be like you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden your spade is in your bed. Yeah. And you're like, get the fuck out of here, spade. I'm not going to be digging shrub holes. Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. I got to get my day going. And then it just makes little pinging noises. Yeah. Every time it remembers. And then like, that yeah, you then you're like, you're in the hole. shower and the spade is just like knocking on the door. It's like, <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, how about now? You want to dig some shrub holes now? <laughs> Fuck off, spade. Yeah. Yeah. What if instead <laughs> the spade just like lays against your back door? Because the only time you ever need to dig holes is when you're going outside. Yeah. You know? So you you decide, you decide. I'm going to dig some shrub holes yeah. now. And there's your spade. This is the tool yep. that I use for that. And the beauty of that is, so, so the, only, the only alerts I let through are my calendar alerts. Right. That's it. Because the, the calendar is a thing that I have control over that also I have decided is allowed to control me. Right. Hmm. If it do says I'm supposed to do sure. something or go somewhere. That's probably true. Then that's true. Because you put that I decided on there. That. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so my past self is allowed to interrupt my current self and make me do a thing. Right. <sighs> Uh, using the calendar. So I need some mechanism by which- So you which, look at your calendar, you're like, fuck you, past Adam. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, you, you still need to be responsible for your shit, right? You still yeah. have to get your stuff done. And so you need to find the things, you, you decide what's allowed to interrupt you and remind you to like be on top of your so shit. So is right? the general sense of urgency accompanying everything nowadays a lie? Yes, it absolutely is a lie. Cool. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Like, I mean, if you guys haven't tried just literally just turning off alerts for your text messages- fucking glorious so good. <laughs> i gotta Wait. say i i don't like receiving texts because then i have to respond to them with this damn glass touch my blackberry oh, oh my yeah God. the physical keyboard keyboard's great but here's the thing that all you have to do is not respond to texts yeah it's, that's usually because people <laughs> people who know you will then you know they'll adapt to whatever well they'll consider it weird that like oh you'll respond to emails whenever you feel like it but that's it that's the only way they can contact you right and this is actually true for like basically our whole family if mm-hmm. if someone wants to contact me they're best off even my immediate family even my wife they're best off Send me an email. sending me an email <laughs> that I can then respond to when I get around to and it. Otherwise, right? if they see you in person, they can tell you that. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. that's how I would prefer it. I would prefer just to be like, oh yeah, we should we have it on my calendar said we should see each other in person right now, right? So now we are. Let's talk about all the things that we want to talk about. So really they should just send you a calendar invite. Actually, which is how it's been going right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's basically how we've changed it at the office yep. is, is using calendar advice. So that now, like I know I just got a bunch of pings yesterday in my inbox my Gmail inbox from, from Sam inviting me to calendar events. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what these are, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to hit yes to all of them. Yep. And then tomorrow morning when I get up, I'll just look and see what's on my calendar for the day. Yeah. I also, I'm glad you don't check them. I'm going to put some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Turns Adam, out I've agreed to refinance my mortgage. <laughs> well, it's on my calendar. Self-world uh, peace. Uh, Tuesday yeah. at 12 well, o'clock. It's yeah. on my calendar. I'm doing it. <laughs> but then I can just delete an item and, have it include a notification to Sam so that now he knows that that thing doesn't exist yep. anymore. Yeah. Whenever yeah. he decides to allow his calendar to tell him that. Whenever. Whenever. All right. So next question comes from Space Bat. Wait, wait, wait. We'll recap real quick. What okay. was the challenge? So the challenge is literally don't let anything. All of your Yes. So well, turn off well, all your Get rid of all the apps. Get rid of the apps first. Standalone apps. Get rid of everything. So Twitter for app, Reddit app, Facebook keep, app, Keep your email, browser, podcast app, and Kindle. Okay, and then turn okay. off all your notifications on your phone. Turn it I off. I just did it on my Android. There's literally a button for There's it. There's a button for it. Turn it all off. So I did that. Um, uh, except for your calendar. How does the, what about internet? So I use I use a tool called Blocksite, which lets you, because a lot of it's just habit-based, right? So yeah, yeah. pop up in a tab, go to Reddit or something. Yep. So uh, I put Blocksite up and then it redirects me to my workflow. Because the truth is if I'm, if I'm looking <laughs> for, if, I, if I'm trying to go to Reddit or the New York Times even without. So you can set it up to redirect you somewhere more. So I, it redirects <laughs> me to my workflow. Send me to my to-do list. <laughs> Because it's like, that's actually that's where awesome. all the stuff is that I ever want to do. Is that on a desktop? It's on Chrome. So you just, it's a Chrome plugin. That'd be, oh, that'd be awesome to put, that, to put that on a router, like on the router level so that if anybody's ever in you your can, house, yeah. 
you just set it up so that if they ever go somewhere they're not supposed to, you just you hey, just you just be really don't be more productive. Passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> you set it to something else. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so I recommend nobody's block gonna be site. distracted in my house. Yeah, yeah, I recommend block site for that that stuff, um, and then Google Calendar for all all these things. But yeah, yeah. So that way, if you put put those. Uh, those websites that you usually have a hard time with into block site and then just try not to do it for a week. Get yeah. some books, prepare also, yourself. It's just fun. try not to buy anything for a week. Okay. Well, this is don't buy like, like people are always like, they're always like thinking about what I like. You know, I'm trying to buy some cool new get, you know, like just, just like, don't, chill out. just chill out. Just don't deal with any of that shit and just focus on doing some interesting things. Go right? library. Get a, yeah, get a handful of free books. Go on, go on walk. It doesn't fucking matter. Just go do, be actively doing something that isn't you just like seeking Constant, constant low-level meaningless stimulation. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah. it only like seriously. <laughs> it, I think there's like I, I I needed to actually go cold turkey was was mm. the thing. I just had to turn it all off, and that was that was the only time. And it and it and it was really weird for a few days because um, I still wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'd like I'd open up my phone because because you know I got in the habit of opening my phone to see how many messages I have right mm-hmm. for like text messages or emails or whatever. And now I open it and it doesn't tell me anything. It just tells me the time. Perfect. Right. Which was then really confusing because I was like, I was like, oh, but now I have to like go. It's like having a, a landline again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels really good. Now we cool. got okay. to switch back to a party line. Yeah. So right, now, so now that'll just be like one cell phone. Yeah. And this is coming from somebody block. and I am not a Luddite at all. Right. Like I love technology yeah. and, and, uh, well, but you got to recognize yeah. what it's, what it does. Yeah. What's it for? Right? What's it doing so to you? So try the butterscotch cold turkey method. Yeah. And over this next week and let's know how it goes. I like to think of we'll more like a out. hot duck. Butterscotch hot duck. Yeah. All right. Sure. The hot yeah. duck. The hot duck approach. Mm. All right. Next question comes from Space Bat, who says, you said that you'll throw a business card away if the only point of contact on it is Twitter. It's true. Twitter's useless. What mm-hmm. What other opinions do you have about business cards? Twitter is the ooh. address to your mic, to your megaphone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's like, yeah, I that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so hey, you want me to yell random shit about my life at you? Here you <laughs> other, go. <laughs> other business card judgments. Uh, I don't actually, I try not to give a shit. If someone gives me their contact information on a card, I'm like, this is good. Um, the only thing that drives me crazy is for the weirdly shaped, is weirdly shaped cards. ones. Right, because yeah. right, you can't put them in your wallet. Because you can't put them in yeah. your wallet or in your stack. It of has to, cards. yeah. It has to be, you know, credit card shape or some very slight. Yeah. Variation. I mean, if you want to like punch just a hole Google, in it, punch a hole in it. I don't that's care, fine. But don't you, mess up the. Yeah, the, the border has the border. to remain intact. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can you know curve those. Yeah, we so we we use uh, bit, we but, use Moo for mm-hmm. ours, and you get the rounded edges one, and you get the I think they're normal ones, are heavy. The heavy-ish yeah, the heavy things, yeah. so they feel, and then they're matte, so they feel like they just feel just velvety. Yeah. They're not that expensive either. So you can get something like that. And then every time we give someone a business card, they're like, ooh, you know, that's a good response. So, so try to get a response with your business card, but not because it's shaped fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, Enough of it. Don't be like, my business card's a piece of twine. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) that's not a business card. (laughs) We did meet somebody. It was really hilarious. We were at GDC. I think it was a student who we'd met previously came and was chatting with us a bit. And she handed us her business card. And then she, she apologized for it immediately. Cause she was like, she's like, I didn't realize because she tried to get a square one, but she didn't realize it was not only square, but also like just bigger in every dimension than normal. Oh, so it was like a huge square. So it was like square. a huge square. <laughs> and so she was just like, she was like, like I didn't know it was, oh, it no. was this size, you know? And Seth, Seth took it and he just looked at her and he goes, I'm sorry I have to do this, but I'm going to fold this in half right now. <laughs> <laughs> well. And she was just like, she was like, yeah, I know. It just, it just has to be that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like, you got you to be able Prepare. to use these things. But the other part is, you need to remember that when somebody gets your business card, they're not going to deal with that thing that you just gave them, that physical item, for somewhere between one and 30 days, right? Yep. So if you give them a card and you've had a conversation with them, something about that card has to be sufficient for when they are digging through their stack of cards, you know, two weeks from now, to see that thing reached into their brain chunks mm. and asked, where did this come from? Well, what is this? Yeah, so, is this so one of the, one of the pro tips that we gave to a buddy of ours who was going to his first GDC, it was like, think about your, your, your persona as it connects to your business card. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, have something about you that also is a reminder of your business card. Right. And connect it to. And so he, he wore a uh, bright red button down shirt with a black tie all through GDC mm. And then on his business card, he just had this kind of cool icon of a cool ass red shirt with a black tie on it. Oh, cool. And I was yeah. like, yes. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Bind, you bind your person <laughs> yeah. to the card. Yeah. And right. so the thing is, like, I still remember that. I will say you know? a lot of artists put little caricatures of them on there, but they're so caricatured that I can't tell who it is. 
Yeah. And it only works if like, if you have a rainbow mohawk. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh yeah. And then so does the cartoon character. It's like, yeah, okay. That's the rainbow mohawk. And then not mohawk too many thing. other people do. Yeah, which, which is, is a problem. problem. You see? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember seeing there was a picture of people who did the train jam, and it was like 15 people who all had identical blue hair. <laughs> I was like, you guess. We, it's no longer a uniqueness thing now. Now it's all just the same. So think, you know, think about what you can do to kind of get a face tattoo, you know? Yeah. Just go full bore. Just, yeah. Get but the, make sure it's not a common face tattoo. Yeah. Get a face, get someone else's face tattooed on your face. Yeah. And then put that face on your business card. <laughs> And people would be like, hey, this looks like the tattoo of that person's face, face. on their face. Yeah. But the other face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good person. So it's basically that would be very memorable. The tip, yeah. your, <laughs> the tip for your business card is both have an easy, easily used business card. Also, not the super skinny ones. There's little rectangular ones. No, don't, I, no, I put those no. in my wallet. <laughs> I, had, I had one of them like fall out yesterday. I was yeah. like, what, where yeah. did this come from? I don't even well, know. I, what I think I think anymore. too, like, there's a little, there's a little like dispensers that people can get or make where they hold they hold a stack of these little skinny cards. It's like a keychain mm. that they have. And then they can like fold open the keychain and just like slide out a business card. They might as well just it. slide them right into the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so hard to keep track of because it doesn't fit anything. Yeah. So yeah, keep it keep it standard size. Keep it memorable. And be memorable and tie yourself to your business card. Yeah. And of course, and sometimes you might want to take a really targeted approach. So if there's a particular person you want to meet, get a tattoo of their face on your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really and a business card that <laughs> is actually dear. just their business card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, dress like <laughs> dress like them, adopt their mannerisms, mm-hmm. yeah. and because you know, there's <laughs> people love that. Actually, yeah, there's, there's an effect of like, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. That's you true. Know? Yeah, and so I think it'll work. Yeah, I think it's, it's a, this good, is a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question comes from Smelly Platypus. Mm. In the trailer, I bet for- platypus are smelly. Probably. Platypes. All I know is that they shoot milk out of their skin. All I know is that yeah. they seem to have every trait. So being smelly is probably a thing yeah, that they they're, do. They're venomous. But they also probably smell great. Probably also. It depends on the <laughs> it's time. Kind of probably yeah, it depends on if you it. smell the milk side or the back side. <laughs> probably. That was a question. Yeah. <laughs> They've got kind of like lavender scented milk pads. <laughs> and then musky backs. Musky, <laughs> musky back. Hey, old musk back. All right, Smelly Platypus says, in the trailer for Quadrupus Rampage, it says something like, defeat a god, while showing a picture of Pete. Mm. Uh, Pete also says, when he is taunting you, you can't defeat me, I am a god. Is Pete really a god? He's the same species as Joby, and Joby died. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, also. Spoilers, thanks. Uh, uh, the, Joby is from Talfight 2, and Pete is from Quadrupus Rampage. Yeah, so this is because, uh, we talk about this a lot, we did a lot of work establishing motivations in our narratives early on um, and not a lot of work establishing. And by a lot, you mean we were like, we should put a boss. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was like, this thing's floaty. It's weird. Well, we did the bare minimum amount of work establishing (laughs) motivations. Yeah. 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 So uh, in the case of Quadrupus Rampage, we sent that out to reviewers and one of them was like, this game's good, but there's no reason for me to play this. And it's because it didn't have boss in it. Didn't have a reason for you. It literally had no motivation. So the week before launch, we put Pete in and modeled him after the previous sort of godlike creatures we put in. And the idea now, as far as lore is concerned, uh, they're all of a particular race and they're not gods at all. They just happen to be extremely technologically proficient, such that the rest of the creatures on Wonope tend to regard them as such because of well, course, and they hoard their technology. They, they, hoard don't, it. they don't spread it to the rest of the yeah. So there's there's that old planet. that old quote. Um, I can't remember who it's by, but the High technology is indistinguishable from magic, and that's basically where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they assert their godness over everybody else uh, and use their technology as sort of a. So they're just they're just very egotistical. Yeah, they're extremely egotistical, which mm-hmm. is why. Well, first of all, they're you know they're killable because it's not a god; it's just a person with a helmet. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> with so a, a, floaty, a head person, a head, a head person. person with a floaty space helmet. Um, and they have a lot more lore stuff about them uh, in, in the future, of course, with other games. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, if you want to learn about them, we do have uh, in the Crashlands manual, which you can find, I think, at Crashlands.net. There's a link to you it. Just Google it. That and there's right a out. there's a whole backstory about who these folks are and what they're doing on this planet. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, we got time for one more question. Uh, this question comes from LT. Hmm. I love your processes of introspection and consideration. How do you know what you're doing? And more importantly, why you're doing it? Uh, and how it relates to your goals. 
Do you also take on tasks for the greater good that aren't necessarily an investment? Mm. Let's break it down. Give me the first part. There's like seven questions. Uh, so the first part is just a comment about that LT loves the sort of introspective Thanks, nature Thanks, uh, of, of what yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, T's pretty good. And, like and that it, in that LT seems to agree that it's important to know why you're doing what you're doing mm, okay. and how that thing relates to your goals. Okay. So the question though is, uh, do we take on tasks for the greater good that aren't necessarily an investment. So I guess the summary of that would be like, you know, do we do stuff that we think may not actually be a payoff for us in some way that may not actually relate to our goals directly, but just to kind of like propagate goodness into the world? I say yes. Yes. We have done things like uh, mentorship programs. Well, I think there's, um, there's an interesting point here though, which is that we don't do anything without having a goal in mind. Yeah. I'm not just going to go like to a, a bake sale. Well, I think I think it's a question of whether it comes Unless back it's to Girl Scout cookies. Well, then yeah, I'm going. But, yeah. but it, it, it comes. Like, back question to is it like is it a is it a financial goal or a business goal or whatever? Right. Well, I think I think versus, yeah, we have uh, we have plenty of other goals that are that are. I mean, actually, most of our goals are non financially related. Yeah, for us, financial is is secondary. Like our our core it's belief is that if yeah, if you if you focus on the process and on doing cool stuff and on focus on people and the people you've brought into the, your, to the thing that you're doing and so on. If you do all that stuff, then money is the thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and of course it doesn't mean we don't think about it cause we have to, right. And we still have to make considerations with money in mind. Um, but that's not the primary consideration. If it ever has to be, then it is, right. but that's actually pretty rare. Yeah. So I think, but I think there's, there's also the interesting question of like the concept of pure altruism or pure selflessness. Um, no, that that's, yeah, that's it's, not sustainable. Well, and not it's only is it not sustainable, I think it's it's not a, it's not a thing. So, for example, uh, th there is no circumstance under which I would argue that if you do something good, like for the greater good, so say you go uh, do some charity drives, or as a game developer, you go give your time to like some students or something like that. There is no circumstance under which, in those conditions, you yourself are not going to benefit from the interaction. Mm -hmm. There might be different degrees of benefit, whether it's just a direct like, oh yeah, I went and taught a student last Saturday. Um, just like a friend of a friend or whatever who wanted their kid to get exposed to game dev, took three hours and taught them. During that process, you will learn a bunch of stuff about yourself, about teaching people. So in other words, there's, there's no situation in which you're, there's no future investment in yourself happening, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, at least none that I can think of. But unless even, you're doing things that are at a cost to yourself. But even then, I don't know. I mean, you're just building forward all the some time. Some things so. are a pure cost, like watching but, Netflix. Yes. Well, no, there's a, there's a very ta transient short-term benefit, yeah. which is you're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it is super transient. Yeah. And then that goes away. Yeah. So, but I mean, we, we've done things, uh, like we, we ran a mentorship program mm -hmm. a couple of times called the eight bit dev pipe, where we brought in people who wanted to learn more about forming a studio or about putting their games mm -hmm. together and wanted feedback on that. So we met with them uh, once a week for eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, maybe, um, maybe that counts. Cause it was like, we didn't, we didn't goal. have any particular sort of, the goal was just to teach people that, stuff. Yeah. We, yeah. But yeah. I mean, but again, but it was, it was, there was a self-motivated part of it, which is we have the idea that we want it to be the case that in St. Louis, we help to elevate the community so that we have more peers mm -hmm. because we're in the Midwest and there just aren't a lot of game studios. Right. Mm -hmm. So we thought we want to get more people into the trenches with us so we can talk shop with them more. Right. True. It was self-motivated. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and even with things like, you know, we're teaching the class at Wash U and, uh, and we're doing that because we want to try to cultivate more talent in the mm -hmm. area. Right. So that when it comes time to open up, you know, future jobs, there may be more people around mm -hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and it turns out like some of these things end up being a much higher cost than you anticipate or don't turn out the way you want. You never know. Uh, but the, the fact is like, there's always going to be something. Like, you're, you're never going to do yeah. something for no reason. Well, I think that's right? the thing is that if you're, if you're really introspective about stuff, you're, you will always gain from everything you do. I mean, even the cancer shit, right? I mean, even the second time. The second round, which was just like this, just frankly terrible thing, um, that was really hard to dig well, out of. It was cancer, but well, I mean, the, like it was, it was much well, darker. The cancer the was fine. Round. It was the, it was the psychological. Oh, right. <laughs> it was the poison in the yeah, in the psychological. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that it's taken me like a year or so to sort of dig some good stuff out of there. But I've done it because I'm very deliberate about making making sure that that period of time wasn't wasted. Just a piece of shit. Yeah. Every bad relationship I've had, same thing. Right. Every bad, every bad, everything has turned into with enough 
sort of mental effort, some good stuff to take with you. You have to mine it. Road. Yeah. So I guess that's interesting. I think, I think mm-hmm. if you're doing it right, there is no circumstance under which you can do something selflessly because you're going to be gaining from everything. You're like a catamari ball. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to just get knowledge and stuff. Yeah. Out of it. Yeah. Yeah, so, we, yeah. Do, we do stuff for motivations that are completely different from studio stuff frequently or that we think we're not. Actually, I would argue that we never do. Well, I guess, yeah. Based, on, just, what you yeah, based right. on what you just <laughs> said. We can always find a way to tie that. I mean, even even yeah. like talking about, you know, I'm reading this, like read this book, Predictably Irrational, that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. You know, the idea there is like, I want to learn more about my own motivations and stuff and the, like how I how I might be subject to bias or making bad decisions mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but also it's the case that like as... As a business owner, I need to understand people better. Mm-hmm. As a game developer, I really need to understand people because what a game is, is it's a machine that that puts emotions into people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and demands things from them as well. And so I need to know all this stuff. And so any any like fiction book I read, I'm always thinking about how this connects mm. to stuff that that relates to my work. Any book about people, about yeah, history. It's, about, it's all the same. I guess it's the weird thing. You know, and asking the question because it's like you can't, or if you are separate, if you're mentally things. active, then yeah. everything you do is an investment. It's everything also. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, I think that covers that question. <laughs> uh, so this has been Coffee with Butterscotch. Thank you all for listening. And again, if you want to get your questions on next week's episode, go to podcast.bscotch.net. Ask with your Bscotch ID. And also, we'd like to thank uh, Monique for putting the podcast together mm-hmm. and fat bard for being our producer yeah we're, we're now much more confident that that's what he is we're pretty sure that's what that means <laughs> and also <laughs> eric Hitler for making our sweet art yes so beautiful yes yeah. so thank you all and we will see you next week also bye. leave reviews and stuff bye yeah bye <laughs>